Welcome to the New Regime Podcast, the Cleveland Browns podcast recorded immediately after every single game and sometimes before games. We got a preview show this week. I call it New Regime because every fan is just about ready to start over after every single game. Find me on Twitter, on Facebook, at New Regime Pod. I think we're all feeling good after this last game, but we all would have been ready to start over if we lost. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about some cool stuff. We got sports and just how we feel in Cleveland right now. Just the overall feel of what the Browns do to us as fans. Uh, Preview the game, special teams. I want to talk a little bit about special teams. I thought we saw improvement. Uh, We'll talk about Denzel Ward, Duke Johnson. I have a man culpa on where I was wrong. I was wrong on a couple things last week. Three points from section three, four, six, and predictions for the game. Let's get at it. I like it a lot. Okay, man, I just want to talk about this real fast because I love when the Browns are winning. It's been so long since the Browns put together a team that we had faith in, that we didn't think was winning by fluke or by chance or miracle, like the way we would have thought last year if they had won a game or the way they won the year before that on a lucky couple set of special teams plays. Isn't it nice complaining about special teams now and having a decent offense and a decent defense to talk about? But I want to talk about just how how it and I don't mean to get too kumbaya on everybody because I know I have some big tough football player type people who listen to this podcast. But there's something cool about your sports team winning and what it does for your city, right? We saw it with the Cavs, we've seen it with the Tribe, we've seen it, you know, all over the country with with teams that win when they're not supposed to, but the Browns, we know own Cleveland. We know Cleveland is a Browns town first, and then everything else comes after that. And there's something so cool about a team that wins and the, the entire city just goes nuts. And I think there's something Drew Barrymore magical about that. Like there's something great when everybody has a mentality that is going in the same direction. And this is something for you if you're a Browns fan or a sports fan and you're trying to explain why you love sports or why you love a specific team, why you're a fanatic. Because some people don't understand it. And granted, a lot of us go too far with it. But the thing that you can use to explain to somebody what makes you crazy about your team is there's this insane unity that occurs among people from all different walks of life when they have a single thing to unify over, like something trivial, such as a sports team, right? This is not life or death for anybody who is a fan. And it's the coolest thing because everybody, I don't care what your political affiliation is, I don't care at all about anything except for the fact that you're a Browns fan. And that gives you a reason to shake someone's hand after a victory, doesn't it? And it feels the same way. So like I grew up religious, right? And if you go to church, there's a similar feeling there. There's the same exact thing. When you leave church, you feel good, at least hopefully. You feel relieved maybe. Um, When you go to a concert, so some people aren't into sports, but maybe they're really into music. If you've ever been to a concert that was killer, where you just went crazy and everybody went crazy and everybody enjoyed it, 
It's the same feeling. Everybody was feeling the same exact thing at that specific moment. And that's what I love about sports. That's what I love about the Browns winning right now. Because if this team continues to win, we are just going to continually go insane for this football team. So that's something I wanted to talk about. It's very weird. Hug your neighbor. All right, we're going to move on. Te presento a Chargers. All right, now... I want to talk a little bit about the Chargers. We got the Browns 2-2-1, 500 after five games, which makes no sense. Play the Chargers that are 3-2. And And they're playing good ball in a city where no one cares. Congrats, Los Angeles. Man, Los Angeles has two pretty good football teams and no one cares at all. For real. Can we please move this team to another city? Both of these teams to a nice corn-fed Midwestern city where people associate their identities with a logo of a corporation. Can we please do that? Because no one in Los Angeles cares about this team. Anyway, I'm looking at their schedule. They have two losses that have come from the two best teams in the NFL. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Rams. Those are the two best offenses we're seeing this year. So they should have lost those games. Those teams are better. They beat three teams they should have beat. San Francisco, Oakland, and Buffalo. Now, I know the Browns lost to Oakland, but that's not that great of a team. San Francisco's a bad team, and so is Buffalo. So, they're playing somewhere in between these, you know, high-end, high-powered offenses and these way low-end teams. And I think the Browns are too, even though we lost to Oakland. Sorry for the reminder. So, they beat teams they should have beat. They lost teams they should have lost to. And I'm just looking at their overall stats. So Chargers total offense in yards, they're seven in in total yards, eight in scoring. Browns total defense is 27 in yards. Um, Phillip Rivers, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Dude's playing really good ball. And I think he's a very good quarterback, even though he looks like a giant baby who just cries whenever he gets the opportunity on the sidelines. Dude just looks like a crybaby, doesn't he? Anyway, he's still playing good ball, not doing a lot of crying this year. 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. And, you know, I worry about this this team. This is another one of those games that really could alter the season for us. Every game is so big. I feel like I've said that for every single podcast because this game is a home game, two home games in a row, and you have to think you know that the season's going to get more and more difficult, especially on the road, especially because more the rest of our games after this are going to be um, favoring road games versus home games. And so you got to look at this game as a very serious game to win. Um, Browns total offense, 16 in yards, 20 in scoring. Um, one thing that I noticed is the Browns are third in the league in time of possession. And... That goes along with their rush offense, which they're still second in yards per game, which is that surprising to any of you? It feels so surprising to me. And I think it's because you take away those giant chunks of yards that Chubb had last week in some of those larger runs. We're not running the ball very well. Hyde's averaging under four yards a carry. So overall, this team is not running the ball very well. Well, although I would argue it could be effectively. A lot of times people talk about, you know, why are we running the ball? Um, Why are we having this balanced attack? 
even though the offense is showing that it's not great, you know, running the ball. And I think one of the major aspects of having a balanced attack is always being a threat to run the ball, making sure the linebackers aren't just, you know, able to completely read your offense, completely drop into coverage. Not having a predictable offense is important. So I like that they're running the ball. I like that they continue to try to do it, even if it's not super successful right now. I still think you're looking at Baker Mayfield as a guy who, while has exceeded expectations of most people, still benefits greatly from an offense that is handing the ball off to veteran running backs. And so I like what the Browns are doing. Even if they're not super, super effective, I think it still helps them open up the pass game with that play action. Um, it still puts them in a situation where they're not, you know, second and super long. Um, and we're going to talk more about how they've been on third down, which has impressed us a bit. So um, Browns rush offense second in yards per game. Chargers rush, de- rush defense 10 in yards per game. So we'll see how we do there, but Chargers are top third in the NFL on defense there. Um, Browns pass offense 23. Chargers pass defense 19. Um, now looking at the other side, so Browns rush defense 22nd in yards per game. Chargers rush offense 11 in yards per game. And you see that one play or those couple plays that the Ravens ran and you're surprised they didn't go to the run game a little bit more often. Um, you see that one play that they ran, the same play that the Raiders ran, um, where, you know, they're running left and Miles is acting like he's going to the outside and just opens up this huge hole. Uh, that's one that we've seen kind of consistently beat us over the last several weeks, but every defense needs to give on something to take away something else. I mean, it's rare that you just have this defense that is absolutely amazing at every single thing they're doing. And uh, I I still love the defense that Greg Williams called in the last game. You can argue a couple of play calls, but overall that was a huge game for Greg Williams. Um, Overall, you know, you look at the, the comparison of where the Browns and Chargers rank stats-wise across the NFL, and there's not a huge gap between the two, though Chargers really are, you know, a little bit ahead in in certain places like their pass offense, Um, and, you know, the Browns' pass defense is still relying a little bit on turnovers. Um, We had a couple more turnovers in the last game, and you love seeing that. You just kind of hold your breath. How long are we going to keep up this turnover uh, game in getting the ball back for the offense? Overall, um, I like that it's hit at First Energy Stadium. The fans are just going to continue to get more and more crazy, and that stadium's going to get harder and harder to play in the more we keep winning. So you want to see that in this game. So special teams, let's talk about that just for a little bit. Special teams, they've been bad. I felt like they were a little bit better this week. <laughs> a little better. I know the kicker missed an extra point. And I know that he barely made that game winner. But Denzel Ward did have a block. They blocked a field goal. And that's three points off the board. So if we're just talking points that we we 
took off the board versus points that, you know, due to ineptness, we also took off the board on the Cleveland side. You know, we missed that one extra point, but we also took three off from Baltimore. So you have to at least take the good with the bad. I know that we're all just in this, we're all dumbfounded at how bad the special teams have been. Um, You wonder how long they're going to keep this coaching staff around, especially if they don't turn it around. But we had a little bit of improvement. I thought Peppers looked a little more explosive, too, in the returns that he did have. Um, You have to at least be a little bit positive there, too. And Denzel Ward had a pick, um, had a blocked field goal. He's on pace for Rookie of the Year, right? I don't know how you could argue against that. And I think if you see Baker continue what he's doing, if he's winning games the way he has, you know, against the Jets, he just played great. Against Baltimore, it was one of those slugfests that wasn't a scoring slugfest, but a defensive one. And he just gutted out that win when he needed to. When he had to put together a drive that won the game, he did. And even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, which it did, I mean, he threw for over 300 yards, and and I think we're going to continue to see that throughout the season. Um, He's going to be in in the conversation as well for Offensive Rookie of the Year. How great would that be? I know it's way too premature. We're five games in, but how great would it be to have two Rookies of the Year from our first two top four draft picks? And something funny I saw on, on Twitter this week, I saw... People retweeting the Cleveland Browns tweet on the draft of Denzel Ward and how people were complaining how stupid of a pick it was. And then you had fans commenting about how it seems to have worked out. And they're just using hindsight. They're just showing that they they didn't make a stance on it at the time the draft occurred. But now they're saying I was right. They're going back to the people who criticized the move at the time of the draft. And they're they're saying, well, you know, it's working out now. Well, of course, you're using hindsight. We've seen him play. We know he's good now. You do nothing for you. You don't make yourself look good by bragging about, about it after the fact unless you were right at the time. That's different. If you were correct at the time in what you said was going to happen, then, you know, kudos to you, right? But we're all fans. We're all casual fans. We all make mistakes with our calls, and we can all brag about our calls too. And trust me, I've done both over the last five games. But I love it. You know, I love that the Browns are starting to draft players that we can actually be proud of. Um, You look at last year's first-rounders too. So obviously Garrett, we knew, was going to be a stud. Um, You have Peppers, who had his best game as a pro, and you want to see that continue as well. That's super exciting to see. He's just playing fast. He's hitting hard. Uh, You like to see him around the line of scrimmage, but you also like to see him in the secondary just making people pay. So playing fast, that's what you want to see out of him because he has great speed. He hits hard. We know he can play. Um, And you also want to see Najoku kind of step it up too. He had a couple really nice catches on that, that touchdown drive they had. And... You know, you want to see his progress. And I've been critical of him so far this year. So those guys, the first rounders, those are the guys you need to see step it up. Those are the guys that change a franchise. And they are right now. 
I think we'd all agree, even so far through five games, they've changed the franchise. Because this team probably should be better than the record indicates. Okay, I had another thing. Mea culpa. This is me admitting I'm wrong. Okay, I'm sure those of you who have listened could probably point out a lot of things, a lot of places where I've been wrong. Um, And this has nothing to do with the Browns. This is a guy that I just torched in the preseason, torched at the beginning of the year. I was happy he was gone. Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crowell is having a crazy good season. He's third in the league in rushing. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry. Um, Dude has four rushes over 20 yards, three over 40, hasn't fumbled. Just playing lights out, really not getting a lot of opportunity yet, but playing super well. Looks like a completely different running back. Just looks faster and more decisive if you watch his highlights. I was wrong about him. I didn't want him. I didn't want to keep him. And I'm kind of glad he's gone still. He was just kind of part of the losing culture. And sometimes running backs, you know, I love Carlos Hyde. I'm just an Ohio State guy and love seeing Hyde run the ball. With that said, that's going to segue into my next point. One of the things that maybe I think I'd like to see a little bit more of and that's Duke Johnson. I want to see Duke Johnson run the ball more. Doesn't he just look good as a running back when we use him in that way? I know that we all like to see him in passing situations, and I know he's probably more of a liability in pass protection than, say, a Carlos Hyde or even a Nick Chubb. But man, do I like watching him carry the ball. He's just tough to get a solid hit on. And I wonder what would happen is if he were the starting back, what we would, we would be doing. Now, that's not a knock on Hyde either, because I think Hyde has, or he's pretty close to leading the league in yards after contact. So you have to appreciate what he's doing. There's just a certain level of explosion that you see out of Duke Johnson that you don't really see, um, at least out of Hyde. Now, we can see a little bit more out of that in Chubb, Nick Chubb, and we want to see more of that. Uh, I feel like he has a, some issues with with you know figuring out where he wants to go. If there's a hole, he just kind of runs through it, and it's pretty impressive because he v- is very much an explosive running back. Um, but Duke Johnson, I think, has sort of earned that right to to get a little bit more uh, more carries, more runs. That's not an area code. Okay, it's time for three points from section 346. They come from my friend Kevin. We grew up together. We went to Strongsville Chapman Elementary. We went to Strongsville High School. We argue sports, but not really. We don't really argue sports much, at least in the podcast, because he's not here. We argue sports during the game when we're both angry about something that's happening in the game, and he's given me some some really great stuff today. Um, first one, points off turnovers. So he's just looking at the points off turnovers, and he broke all of the games down, talks about how well the defense has been playing, just from the turnover perspective, right? They have 15 takeaways in five games, which is insane for any defense. That's what he says. Insane for any defense. Ranks the Browns at the top of the league in takeaways and takeaway giveaway differential. So that's just a reason why we're in all of these games. But then he goes on to talk about how 
we have so many games where we just didn't put up any points despite those turnovers. So Pittsburgh, right, I think we all remember the Pittsburgh game. Six turnovers and seven points off of those six turnovers. New Orleans, two turnovers and no points. Jets, three turnovers and three points off turnovers. Oakland, two turnovers, seven points off turnovers. Baltimore, two turnovers and three points. Now, some of those, and I'm just kind of thinking about the interceptions in some of those games where they were, you know, long ball passes, almost equivalent to a punt. You know, I know Roethlisberger had a pick like that. Um, But you're right. Overall, this is pathetic as far as the offense's ability to, to jump on the advantages a turnover gives them. Uh, And he went on to compare them to Oakland. They had three takeaways, which resulted in 21 points. Now, granted, the Oakland ones, one was a pick six. Another were very, they were inside the Browns red zone. So comparing that to an interception that occurred on the other side of the field is kind of apples and oranges. But the point still stands, right? Um, we just have such a low number of points off of these things, and they're just huge game shifts. They're momentum shifts, and we need to be able to jump on that momentum. Uh, these turnovers, and this is the point that I've kind of made over the last several weeks, we're not going to, at least it's unlikely that we're going to keep up with this number of turnovers, that we're going to continually get regular, you know, three turnovers a game. That's a huge swing. And while I love seeing such an aggressive defense, um, it's just not something your defense should be counting on. Which goes back to the time of possession point that we made earlier. You just like seeing the Browns offense hang on to the ball a bit. Um, I think that helps the defense stay a bit more fresh in these games. Just the ability to rip a ball out from somebody's hands gets easier if you're not running 40 minutes a game. Okay, second point from section three, four, six, some positivity. I love it. So he first pads this. He's like, I know we've been negative with special teams and screen passes, which have been terrible this year, but let's talk about something good. And I love it. So third down passes. Now, I know that third down, you know, we've had a lot of third and long this year. At least it's felt like it. But isn't it nice when the Browns throw a pass that is past the first down marker to get a first down and they're not counting on their receiver to beat three players to get that extra three yards they need for a first? Like, how many times have we seen Baker hit somebody on a long out and we're all just floored at how easy it looks. I mean, I watched this guy. That's my favorite pass so far that Baker throws. He had one to Higgins. He's had a couple to Higgins over the last several games where you're just like, Owen Wilson, wow. By the way, you can find Owen Wilson saying, wow for 10 straight hours on YouTube. It's pretty impressive. My impression of Owen Wilson's cat. Meow. You're welcome for that comedy. You're welcome, universe. All right, so I love it. Something good. I love the way they're playing third down. It just looks like we have a shot. 
Doesn't it? Doesn't it look like we're not playing to get beat? We're not playing the field position game. We're like, no, you know what? We're going to go down the field and we don't care if it's third and 12. <laughs> Sometimes that could hurt your team. But Baker overall seems to make good decisions. I know he's got some picks on the season, some not all of which are his fault. And you have to credit Todd Haley for an offense that knows where the first down marker is and how to throw past it. Okay, third point. And it's Hugh Jackson. All right. My friend from Section 346 is just calling in to question whether or not you keep Hugh Jackson. Is it better, even if we keep winning, but you don't feel like he's the guy, do you keep Hugh Jackson? So he called out a couple things. Poor decisions, right? Challenge the call in the first quarter for a spot. Um, going for two points a couple weeks ago against the Raiders after you're, you know you put yourself up with a touchdown. Special teams. Um, you know, how bad has the special teams been? And it feels like it's been consistently bad. That's something the head coach should be coming down on the players and the coaches for. And it's been consistently awful. Um, ask the question, is Hugh Jackson kind of like Jeff Fisher? Where are we going to be a 500 team forever just because that's how, that's what kind of coach he is. He just can't get his team to a winning record, but he can keep them respectable at 500. Is he forever a coordinator? Um, you know, that those are valid questions. And does it make sense then to get rid of, you know, Hugh Jackson now if you think one of your coordinators would be a better head coach? Uh, I think the answer to this question, I think John Dorsey would answer this question with no. I think because of what Hugh Jackson's been through, and they do seem to be on the same page, you seem to see support from the front office to the head coach that John Dorsey would say, no, I'm keeping my head coach. I'm going to let, you know, Haley walk, right? If Haley's the guy that they would keep. I'm of the opinion, however, that if you have a guy who's calling plays in an offense that works with your quarterback, you do whatever you can to keep that. That's sort of an insane mentality too, or it could be seen as that way, right? That would support the argument to get rid of you know, um, I don't know, Belichick in favor of the offensive coordinators that have been there over the years, right? I don't know if that matters necessarily. But I got to say that Hugh Jackson hasn't done a whole lot to give us the confidence the way Bill Belichick has given his organization, right? So it's a fair question. I tend to just hold out hope. For a guy like Hugh Jackson, I'm cheering for him, man. For a guy who's just experienced probably the worst two years of his life, of his professional career, with all the losing, with the lack of talent, clearly the guy can coach if given talent, or clearly he can manage a team to at least a 500 record, but hey, who knows? Maybe it's all Haley and Williams. Maybe the credit is all there, and Hugh Jackson's just kind of in the way. It's really tough to tell because you look at this team and you want to know how much of this is Hugh, how much of this is his coordinator, right? Do we know that during halftime, Hugh Jackson isn't going in and saying, all right, I saw these five things. These are the things we need to watch out for. These are the things we need to be better at. And he brings awareness to that scenario. A head coach is supposed to do that because he can step back, watch the game. He's, his nose isn't in the playbook on either side of the ball the whole time. 
So maybe he is part of that halftime adjustment stuff that we're not seeing. One thing we didn't see that I thought we would see against Baltimore is the Browns getting blown out in the second half. And again, that could be for a variety of reasons. We could be seeing that because the Browns' defense isn't spending the whole first half on the field. Um, we're getting some port with a run game. Our time of possession looks good. We're getting turnovers. They're getting off the field. So there's a lot of reasons why that could be. But maybe Hugh Jackson is contributing in different ways that we're not able to fully see. Okay, let's talk predictions. All right, first, the Browns are 2-0 and with the Color Rush uniforms. That's what we're going to talk about. The Browns need new uniforms. We're moving on. Last week, I predicted the Browns to lose to Baltimore 30-20. to I thought the Ravens would come out. Their offenses looked fantastic. Credit Greg Williams for an awesomely called game overall. Few things that we question, but... Man, he was shooting a high percentage as a just defensive coordinator this game. So I was wrong. 30 to 20 is what I predicted. Browns won. Looking at this coming week against the Los Angeles Chargers. Ugh, Los Angeles Chargers. I still think the Browns are going to lose this game. I think a veteran quarterback like Phillip Rivers, who's better than Flacco, is just going to give our defense trouble, our young defense trouble. I think they're going to put up 30 as well. I think the Browns are going to put up 24 because the Chargers defense isn't as good as the Ravens defense is. Um, this is the game that we got to win though. You look at these Browns and their schedule. If we win this game, we go 2-0 and in the second quarter of the season. The next two games after that are on the road. We got Tampa and we got Steelers on the road. So those are games that you know those guys are going to come out for. You know the Steelers are insanely upset for being in last place right now with the Browns. So while we're all happy, Pittsburgh is so angry with their team. Although they looked great against the Falcons. So we got to come out and win this game. It's going to do wonders for us if we can get into Tampa with a bunch of momentum because after that, we have the Steelers, we have the Chiefs, and we have the Falcons. Those are three really tough games. Two of them are at home, but it's tough teams that we're going to be playing. So let's keep it positive. Let's keep it going. Even though I picked a Browns loss, let's just hold on hope these guys can put it, put it together again and show us that they can compete with the big boys. All right, let's go, baby. Let's go, Browns.